What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of the first and foremost sports podcast. I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. And I'm Jimmy Covington, man. What's good, y'all? What's up, everybody? How you doing, Jimmy? Man, I'm good, bro. Just been upset watching this Clippers and Mavericks game. How, what you What you been up to, man? Man, I just been. I've been. I feel like ever since the playoffs started, I just been glued to a TV. Uh, but of course, I feel like I would be doing a a disservice uh, if I didn't, of course, say happy birthday to the Mamba himself, Kobe That's Bryant. It. Of course, we know his track. His tragic passing back in January, it still don't seem real, to be honest. It just seems like every so often you just reminded, like, dang, he actually did. Uh, yeah. But, you know, once I was again, a, rest in peace to him and uh, Gianna. I was up. I was up late. I, I, woke up, I woke up super early this morning. I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, dang, like, you know what I'm saying? He, he like, really gone. And, you know, Kobe was supposed to be Did one you? of them folks. They supposed to be one of them folks like Bill Russell that, you know, just stick around forever. And you you occasionally see him pick their brain about ball. But, you know, God had other plans, so. Yeah, exactly. Did you see the uh, – did you see that Nike uh, video that they did in honor of Kobe? It was oh, yeah. narrated by, like, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice video. That was a nice one for real. Yeah, that was probably my favorite one that I saw today. But I seen quite a few. One was like seven minutes long. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I just seen all of them. Man. But yeah, man. So of course we're in the middle of the playoffs. So let's get right to it. Uh, we've had game fours all weekend, or game threes and game fours uh, this weekend. The NBA playoffs. Uh, so to go back to the games we had yesterday. Uh, Milwaukee is now up 2-1 over the Orlando Magic. Uh, Jimmy, what were your takeaways from the game yesterday and your thoughts on how the series is playing out? I mean, the Bucks did exactly what I expected them to do. I expected them to win. Uh, they won 121-107. But if you watch the game, you would know that the score, the score was much closer than, you know, what it felt like. Uh, they pretty – Milwaukee had control of the game from the very jump. Uh, Giannis was doing Giannis things. He had 35 points, 11 boards, seven assists. Uh, ultra efficient, shot 12 or 14 from the field. Uh, Chris Middleton, uh, after his hiatus, he finally made an appearance. Uh, he had 17 points, uh, eight rebounds, and six assists. Uh, like I said, uh, Milwaukee shot the ball well. They shot 56% from the field. Uh, they shot 46% from three. Uh, you know, it was a little closer early in the game. Uh, at one point in the second quarter, they were up 45-34. And then they, you know, they held Orlando scoreless for like five straight minutes. And they ended up being 70-43 to at the half. And then at third quarter, they were up by as many as 34 during the third quarter. Uh, but Orlando, you know, they don't quit. They're tough. They keep fighting. And they cut the lead to 12 with 7.22 left in the third quarter. But Milwaukee scored nine straight points, and they pretty much – maintain control throughout the rest of the game. Orlando never really stood a chance. Uh, they're without Jonathan Isaac. They're without Aaron Gordon. You know, and this, this is going to hurt. They're without Michael Carter-Williams. Uh, excuse me. 
those are all guys that contribute big time to what the Magic like to do. And without those guys, they they don't stand a chance. Uh, Giannis is showing, you know, why he's considered uh, – my many people consider him the MVP. Uh, and I think, you know, Bucks are doing what people expected the Bucks to do. I didn't even expect Orlando to get a game, to be quite frankly. Uh, but I think Orlando, Milwaukee's going to close this game out in five – series out in five, excuse me. Yeah, bro. Uh, I completely agree with you. You know, this series is, you know, playing out at this point how we exactly how we thought it would. Of course, the Magic were the one team I thought would actually get swept the first round. Uh, but of course, they came out stall game one. Uh, but you know, the Bucks are just simply more talented. They're deeper and better coached. Uh, they've come out aggressive from the jump these last three games or two games. Uh, you know, last game they were like plus 21 first half, I believe. And then yesterday, I think they were a plus, I think, 27. I know they outscored them by like 19 second quarter. Uh, so, you know, they were pretty much blowout, you know, before they even truly got started. Uh, but Giannis is pretty much at that point like LeBron was early in his career. You know, we know how dominant he can be in the regular season. Like you said, he should be back-to-back -back MVP this year. But, you know, now when they get deep in the playoffs, has he flipped the switch and, you know, shown that he can be trusted down the stretch. So this first-round playoff matchup, like you said, will be over in five, but that really doesn't ultimately mean much to me. Um, and even Chris Middleton, yesterday he finally, you know, had a solid outing with 17. But before that, in the first two games, he averaged eight points. And the Magic are clearly, you know, the less superior team. Uh, so, for him as well, it's going to be huge to see how in the later playoff rounds, whether or not he can consistently show up. And that will determine, you know, whether or not they can actually compete and try to win the championship. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I don't think he can. <laughs> just being quite frank. And then uh, thinking about what this next series looking like, uh, who they be facing the winner between Miami and Indiana? No, they, I don't think Chris Middleton gonna show up, and they they gonna be in big trouble uh, if they play Miami next series. Yeah, bro. So you know you, you kind of perfectly just said go right to the next topic. Um, you know you have Miami who's up now three zero. I'm honestly a little bit surprised. I thought you know Indiana would have maybe gotten one or two, which I mean they still have a chance to, but. You know, at this point, this series is all but over. But, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on uh, the Heat and Pacers series? Man, I, I'm surprised that it's 3-0-2. I expected this series to go six because uh, Indiana, I mean, they, they got some talented players. They got Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, T.J. Warren. You know, they got, you know, Miles Turner. They got the Holiday Brothers. Uh, so, you know, they got a nice, solid team. Uh, but the, Miami has been playing some great basketball. Uh, their offense, offensive execution has been flawless. You know, they're one of those teams that runs the true offense. You know, the flares, the pin down screen, the pick and roll, the backside action. That's all you see all game. All you see is ball movement. And, you know, they've been playing some good defense down the stretch as well, too. Uh, Jimmy Butler has been closing games. Uh, we know him to be a closer. He's a defender. You know, he's a he's he a dog, straight up. Uh, Bam Adebayo, he's a dog. And I think, you know, Goran Dragic has really been big for them. 
especially late down the stretch. Him and, Jim, him and Jimmy Butler have been closing out those games. Uh, even to yesterday, Tyler Harrow chipped in 20 points. Uh, Duncan Robinson has been shooting the ball well. You know, and, you know, Miami's – they're a deep, versatile team. Uh, but I think one thing that was, you know, was kind of wild to me is that uh, the Miami Heat attempted 52 free throws yesterday. And uh, Indiana only attempted 28. So it was a lot of foul calls that were going their way. Uh, but, you know – I expect Miami to close this series out tomorrow. Uh, if not, I accept them to close it out Wednesday. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler uh, played big time yesterday. He had 27 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and he had three steals, uh, showing you his versatility on both ends. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball well, but he shot well from the free throw line. He made 17 to 20 from the free throw line. So, you know, the Miami Heat are doing pretty much what they've done all year long, but they just turned it up a little bit more. But I think, you know, the Pacers are missing one of their best players or maybe even arguably the best player in DeMontis Sabonis. Oh, he's a great passer to be a big man. He can put the ball in the basket. He can play defense. You know, he can do a little bit of everything. And I think they're definitely missing missing that on him. If they had him, I, I would have gave them a great chance to win this series. But he's not going to be here with a foot injury. And I think, you know, they got somebody got to step up. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, he balled out yesterday. Uh, T.J. Warren played well. Uh, you know, Victor Oladipo had 20 points. I think Miles Turner going to step up. You know, he's seven foot. He's a mobile big man, can block shots, but you know, I, he's just not. He's just not showing me enough. Like he should be dominating, and I think that's something we haven't seen from Miles Turner at no point since he's been in the NBA. And I, honestly, you know, I'm not even a Pacers fan, but you know. Just as a fan of the game of basketball, like he got to show up. It's simple. Like it's time. He's been in the league what four or five years now, and he I don't think he's popped yet. You know what I'm saying? So it's time for Miles Turner to step up. Yeah, once again, uh, I can't comp agree with you anymore. Uh, you know, yesterday specifically, especially that first half, the Pacers' defense was surprisingly like pretty bad. You know, Nag McMillan made his chops as a player, as a defensive player on the perimeter. And, you know, his team pretty much all season, you know, they've hung their hats on playing good team defense also. Uh, but they allowed the Heat to shoot 11 for 20 yesterday in the first half from three alone. Uh, you know, you just can't win games that way. And, you know, the, the hole had already been dug by halftime. You know, the Pacers did show yesterday, though, in the second half, um, if they are going to win the game this series, then it's going to have to look like the second half did yesterday. Uh, you know, they were down by like 18 or as much as 18. But the third quarter yesterday, you know, they fought back and made a really competitive game. Um, you know, they had like a 12-2 run to start the third and I believe a 10-2 to end the third. <clears throat> uh, and I think, was it some somewhere in the last like minute or two of the third quarter, uh, you know, it's a huge challenge call that Coach Nate McMillan made and overturned the foul call. Uh, and at that point, it was only like a two- or four-point game. And, you know, the Pacers were very much well right in the game. I think they only let the Heat shoot one for eight in the second half from three. Uh, but, you know, the Heat, like we've said, they have the more, you know, the guys they can put in the hole. Uh, they have more closers than the Pacers. Uh, they have a closing lineup of Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, of course, Jimmy Butler, Iggy, and Bam at the five. 
Uh, yesterday in the fourth quarter, the Heat All-Stars showed up when it mattered the most. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Bam and Jimmy Butler actually scored 20 of the Heat's last 30 points. Uh, and then you combine that with the fact Dragic has been averaging 23-6 and six this series while shooting 48% from three, as well as Tyler Hero, who we forget is only a rookie. He's averaging 17 on 42% from three. Uh, in this playoff series. And of course, you mentioned the free throw discrepancy was so, it was very, very, uh, you know, pivotal yesterday. Because when you get outshot by 21 free throws, of course, 43 to 21, you can't really win a game that way. Uh, but you know, the the second half, like I said, was pretty optimistic if the Pacers are gonna try to steal one game. But other than that, this series pretty much all but over. And we can we can go ahead and start looking at a at a potential books and heat matchup second round. And I do want to mention that Indiana cut the lead to two points three times in the fourth quarter. So their inability to close has been really killing them. You can't cut you can't cut the lead that many times. Like you got to come up with a dub. <laughs> yeah, and like you said too. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with Miles Turner. You know, he came in his his rookie year and was pretty good. And, you know, he improved a little bit, like, his first two years or so. But after that, it just seems like he hadn't developed at all. And, like, I don't, I don't know what the deal is with that. But Miles Turner, to me, has been a pretty big disappointment. He definitely has for me, uh, considering the amount of talent he has. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, he can shoot threes. He got a little bit of post-up game. He can defend really well. Uh, he's, you know, past few years been one of the league's top shot blockers. Uh, so, you know, I just don't know what the deal is there. He need to be grabbing more rebounds. Yeah, that also, the the, the rebound is definitely a huge. That's a no huge reason. There's no reason, there's no reason you should be seven feet and not getting at least nine, ten boards a game. That's my same. That's the same problem I've always had with Mark Gasol. Like, you that big, six one. Mark Gasol, six one. I mean, excuse me, six one, seven foot, seven one, two sixty. 260, but he ne- never averaged more than eight rebounds a game. That's a problem. Like, you know, you're not that big for nothing. Like, get under the boards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's physical or mental or what it, for him at this point, but – I don't know. But, yeah, the, the paces are pretty much all but done. But moving on to our next series, the one that I predicted to be the best first-round series, um, Houston is up 2-1 on OKC, but OKC did manage to win yesterday in overtime. Jimmy, what were your thoughts on the game yesterday in this series? I think OKC had to have that one. And they got it yesterday. Uh, it took overtime, but they got it done on the list. Uh, James Harden was back to his normal self. Like put up 38, seven boards, eight assists. Uh, Unc Jeff Green uh, put up 22 points and seven boards. Uh, Eric Gordon and Daniel House did some good things. They combined for 33 points and 13 rebounds. I think with the Houston Rockets, though, I think their inefficiency hurt them. But they shot only 41% from the field, and they shot 15 of 50 from three-point line. And they only shot 69 They shot under 70% from the free-throw line. And, of course, they got out-rebounded. Uh, 
you know, there were some great individual performances on both sides. Um, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, they had four players with at least 20 points. Schroeder led them with 29. Chris Paul had 26. Uh, Shea Gillages-Alexander had 23. And Gallinari had 23 as well. Uh, it was pretty much a back-and-forth game the entire game. And, uh, you know, uh, Shea Gillages-Alexander hit the corner three to take the one-point lead with, I think, a few seconds left. And Daniel House ended up tying the game, making one or two free throws. I think what hurt uh, Houston down the line is that James Harden fouled out of, in overtime, 53 seconds into overtime. And I think from there, Houston shot I – mean, OKC shot off. They scored like 12 straight points at OT. And, you know, that was – it was pretty much a wrap at that point. But I think James Harden being fouled out, I think that definitely hurt them. But, you know, I predicted this series to go six games as well. So, I'm not really surprised. OKC is a feisty team. They got Chris Paul, you know, they got some talented guys, some some buckets, you know, some go-getters. They got Steven Adams, you know. So, you know, I'm not surprised that they won the game yesterday. It was a must-win. Yeah, once again, of course, I agree with you. Uh, I did predict this get this series to go seven. Uh, so, like you said, it was definitely a must-win yesterday for OKC. But uh, in the first two games, you know, Houston is pretty much the only team that's fully committed to just switching every time or for every matchup on defense. Uh, and I think, you know, that posed a few problems for OKC in the first two games. Uh, but I think if anything, yesterday, you know, they showed that they've adjusted to that pretty well, you know, evident by the output that their four-headed monster put out. Uh, but, you know, they got downhill more and, you know, made quicker decisions off the switches. Uh, and, you know, like I said, going into this series, it was going to be big for OKC to keep it close, you know, down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Because like they have been all season, you know, they're one of the clutchest teams in the NBA and uh, games that were decided by five points or less. And, you know, in game one, they were down by double digits fourth quarter. In uh, game two, you know, they allowed that big 17-0 run while James Harden was on the bench. Uh, but, you know, yesterday they finally kept pace. And down the stretch, we saw that clutch gene that they have come out. You know, like you said, Shea Gilders-Alexander, who I'm a big fan of, made a huge corner three uh, yesterday off of uh, a Chris Paul dribble drive penetration. Uh, and then, like you said, once Harden filed out in overtime, that was pretty much it. Uh, you mentioned OKC went on a 12-0 run, and Houston also only shot one for nine in overtime, and you just can't win that way. Uh, and another guy we should give credit to, Lugans Dort for the, the Thunder, who's only a rookie. Uh, you know, Harden ultimately ended up with 38, but, you know, he had to work for it. And actually, when he was guarded by Dort yesterday, Harden was only three for 14. Uh, and I think the even bigger part, Dort was also the player that drew that sixth foul on James Harden in overtime. Uh, but, you know, he just possesses a lot of lower body strength. Uh, you know, he has the agility to stay in front of Harden, combined with the discipline to not foul him, you know, on those step back threes and those drives to the hoop. Uh, so you definitely have to give hats off to him uh, for leading that defense on James Harden yesterday. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see uh, the, the game tomorrow, right? Yeah, the game's tomorrow. So I'm excited yeah. to see. I'm excited to see game four tomorrow. I'm thinking OKC okay, probably going to get done again tomorrow. 
I think so too. I think I still think this series could definitely go seven. And you know, the even bigger part, we still don't know when Russ is coming back. So I, I definitely think it'll go the distance. So moving on to the nightcap yesterday. It was time to put the kids away to bed because the grown men came out. The Lakers against the Trailblazers. <laughs> Lakers went up 2-1 in the series on them. So, Jimmy, what did you think about the game last night? I love to see it. As a Laker fan, I love to see it, bro. LeBron, if you hear, if you happen to hear this, see this, I love that, bro. That's what I need to see all the time. Forget trying to get them other folks involved because apparently they're not trying to play right now. Go out and get your 38. Go out and get your 40. You know what I'm saying? That's what we need. We ain't got time for players to be trying to get in rhythm. Ain't no time for that. We need a W. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad Braun Braun did what he had to do. He had 38, 12, and 8. Vintage playoff LeBron. I mean, what more can you ask from year 17? You know, all hell the king. Uh, Anthony Davis. As you know, I've been real tough on Anthony Davis uh, because, you know, he's arguably the most talented big man the game has ever seen. Uh, very productive. But I think one thing with Anthony Davis, I don't. I think he lacks that dog mentality. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a lot of talented guys in the NBA that doesn't necessarily have that dog mentality. And I think with AD, like, it's just it's consistent dominance is what, what you need from AD. You know, one game, AD looking like the best player in the world. And the next game, he playing like a 6'2 point guard. You know what I'm saying? If the Lakers go on the championship, we need him to dominate every single night because you know what LeBron going to come with. And, you know, Caruso played well last night. He had 10 points off the bench. Bench, excuse me. And he had a plus 10, plus minus a differential. Uh, the Lakers shot 50% from the field. Uh, they didn't shoot the ball well from three. Only shot 10 of 30. Did what they had to do. Uh, I think they struggled at, three, at the free point, at the free throw line, excuse me. They shot 28 of 43. Uh, you know, the Lakers have struggled to shoot free throws pretty much all year long. And I think, you know, they won the game by eight, but if they had even made, you know, 34 of those, 33, 34 of those free throws, they're the one by double digits. You know what I'm saying? And so you think going forward, you know, possibly facing the Clippers or the Rockets or something else down the line, you're going to need to make those free throws because the game, they're not going to blow those teams out. Those teams are too good to blow out. Uh, you know, they were plus 17 in rebounds, uh, which you expect with LeBron, AD, uh, Dwight Howard, and JaVale. You know, you got seven footers. You got guys like that. So you expect them to dominate the glass. Uh, they were plus nine in assists. You know, I would expect that having LeBron James and having guys like Alex Caruso who can all pass AD. He also had eight assists last night. Uh, you know, uh, on the Blazers' side, Dame did what Dame does. Had 34.7 assists. McCollum had 28. Uh, Melo even, you know, showed up on both sides of the ball. He had 20 points and four steals. Uh, but I think, you know, the Blazers pretty much hung around for a, for a while, and they were only down three with nine and a half minutes left. But AD came into the game, and he took over. Uh, he had 12 points in the fourth quarter. And I think AD all this season has really struggled to put the ball in the basket when it comes to the fourth quarter. I was doing some research the other day, and, uh, you know, Quinn, I don't know if you know, but AD – uh, during the regular season, he wasn't even top 50 in fourth quarter scoring. I think I knew he was bad, but not that bad in the fourth quarter. And if I'm not mistaken, he was 54th. Uh, you know, in, you know, game one, I want to say he was, had two points. He was one of three from the field in the fourth quarter. It was a minus 11. You know what I'm saying? Well, a guy with that much talent, mm -hmm. 
that's not gonna it's not gonna work. Like you know, Braun is gonna do what Braun is gonna do. You know, but we're gonna need AD as well. Braun can't do it all alone. Uh, he is, even though he's he looks super athletic, bro. You gotta remember, this is year seventeen. He is thirty five years old. So you know, he can't. You know, I don't think LeBron can go out there and get thirty five, thirty six every single night, and then you expect you know and expect us to win because it's not gonna happen. Uh, maybe five years ago, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, five years ago, yeah, LeBron could have done that, but not now. That's why you need AD to be consistent. He did it two years ago. Listen, bro, a lot can change in two years, bro. I mean, but he had to two years ago, though, too. I mean, who else was going to pick up the slack? I'm just saying, don't act like the man not capable. Oh, no, I mean, he's definitely capable. But, like, <laughs> as a Laker fan, you don't want LeBron to be wearing himself out when you got a t- another top five player on the roster. You know what I'm saying? That's what you brought AD in for, to alleviate some of the pressure on LeBron James to extend his career in the championship window. And thus far, AD has been inconsistent inconsistent when doing that. But, you know, the Lakers' D also showed up big time. Uh, the Lakers held the Blazers to just three field goals uh, in the last, in like seven, the last seven minutes of the game. So defense was locking up, you know, and, you know, they were one of the best defenses in the league in the regular season. Uh, they struggled a little bit in the bubble, but they've got it together in, in this series. And, that's you know, that's what I like to see. Uh, Yeah, uh, so of course I see you Lakers fans still new to how LeBron operating the postseason, but trust me, last night was just a little sample. Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, but <laughs> last night I enjoyed getting to see a vintage LeBron performance, and you know even third quarter we saw a vintage Carmelo Anthony. Uh, so that that battle between him and LeBron was definitely something special to watch. Uh, but you know, I said all along the Blazers had no one to stop LeBron. And, you know, LeBron yesterday decided, you know, officially that they have no one that could stop him and was aggressive from the jump. <laughs> and, you know, pretty much just took over the game. I mean, the Blazers never really had a chance. Uh, you know, first two games, I feel like, you know, it's always that filling out process for him where he allows his teammates to find their footing and, you know, while they still have been shooting the greatest, uh, you know, Caldwell Pope, notably, you know, Danny Green wasn't making anything at first, but, you know, he makes an occasional three now. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but yesterday, uh, you know, like I said, LeBron's pretty much made up in his mind that he, that he was going to get that dub. Uh, I know – you know, Anthony Davis, yesterday he finally had his 12 in the fourth quarter. Uh, like we've said, Whiteside and Nurkic are both seven-footers, but, dude, we know they can't guard AD, especially barbecue when he's chicken. assertive. <laughs> Easily barbecue chicken. Uh, and, you know, Dame and CJ can only do so much, uh, especially we both know neither of them are really 100% right now. You know, Dame's dealing with that finger. Uh, CJ's had a, a pretty injured back uh, in the bubble. But yesterday, fourth quarter, Dame was one for six and 0 for four on threes. Uh, and, you know, the Lakers have made, you know, him and CJ work for their shots. And I think last night, especially notably, uh, and probably a little bit in game two also, especially in the fourth quarter, uh, the Blazers just looked fatigued and tired. And, you know, even last night in their pro, uh, post-game press conference, 
you know, Dame and Coach Terry Spots even talked about it a little bit. You know, we talked about how pretty much every game in the bubble for them has been a meaningful playoff type game. Uh, and now this makes about the, what, 12th, 12, 11th or 12th game for them. So, you know, that probably has to definitely be taking a toll on them. Uh, so, you know, I think this series is over at five. So it's not a matter of time. Definitely. Yeah. We need to go and get this over with so Brian and AD can get a little rest. Yeah, because it look like the Clippers aren't getting uh, no time soon. Uh, no, not the way Paul George playing. And, and OKC and Houston might be a long series, too. So, yes, any yeah. games they can shave off this round will be a bonus. Bron, AD, go and get y'all rest, dog. Yeah, <laughs> this series will be over Wednesday, though. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, moving, moving on to our Sunday game fours today. First up, we had the the injured Philadelphia 76ers against the Boston Celtics. Boston officially put them away with the 4-0 sweep to end the first playoff series of the first round. So, Jimmy, what was your thought on those series of games? Because it wasn't really a playoff series considering they got swept. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even know they were missing Ben Simmons. I didn't expect them to get swept. Uh, I expected the series to go five at minimum. Uh, I think a five or six, you know, five minimum, six maximum. But they prevailed and pulled out the sweep on Philly. Uh, Joel Embiid, you know, did what he had to do this series, uh, did what he had to do today, uh, put up 30 points, 10 boards, three steals and two blocks. Uh, Tobias Harris put up 20. Uh, Horford. Uh, Al Horford, Josh, Josh Richardson, and Shake Milton, uh, they all put scored in double digits. But, I mean, that was pretty much it for Philly. Uh, they don't really have much bench scoring, if any. You know, Alec Burks had 20 off the bench, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, you know, they're not a, a great shooting team. They don't have much spacing. Uh, they shot 26% from three. It was 9 to 34. Uh, they shot well from the free throw line. Uh, they were out-rebounded. <laughs> By Boston, uh, who's starting center is six foot eight. Uh, that's surprising. Uh, but with Boston, I mean, you know what you get with Boston. Kimba looked like, you know, cardiac Kimba, 32 points, four assists. Jason Tatum put in 28 points and 15 rebounds. Uh, Daniel Tice and, and Jalen Brown combined for 31 points and nine boards. Uh, they shot 12 or 35 from three. Uh, shot a decent percentage from the free throw line. Shot 46% from the field. So, you know, with – that many talented scorers, you know, Boston did what they had to do. Uh, and even missing Gordon Hayward, who's a versatile a versatile defender and can put the ball in the basket, averaging 17 a game. Uh, it don't seem like they really missed his presence, uh, but they're going to miss him next round. Uh, more than like, They'll more than likely be facing Toronto next series, so they're definitely going to miss him then. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I mean, I expected them to win, but not. I didn't expect them to get the sweep. And the score was 110 to 106. I don't. It didn't feel like it was that close, to be completely honest with you. Uh, the game really, the game really changed uh, when Tobias Harris uh, had a scary fall. Uh, he suffered a left eye laceration with two minutes and forty seconds left. Uh, I think in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and pretty much after that, you know, Tatum had a series of buckets right after that, looking like a cold blooded killer. 
and they expanded the lead. And then the lead was it was ninety six to seventy nine early fourth, and Boston never never uh, you know never relinquished the lead pretty much. So I don't think you know to buy. I think the chance they had you know it went out the window when Tobias Harris missed a game for an extended period of time. Yeah, uh, you know, like you said, uh, of course I had Boston, but I didn't expect this to be a sweep. I thought it'd at least go five games. You know, I thought Philadelphia would at least won one game just for their dignity. Uh, but you know, you pretty much said it all. I'm not gonna repeat what you said, but uh, you know, first, congrats to Kimba. Uh, we know all that losing he did <laughs> down in Charlotte. He already has more playoff wins with the Celtics than he did in eight years with Charlotte, which is pretty funny. Uh, but, you know, I think before this game today, he had the most career points among active players without a playoff win. Uh, so, <laughs> right. I think it was like 13,000 or something like that. Uh, so, congrats to Kimba. Uh, Jason Tatum, who I said if he leaves the Celtics team, which if they beat Toronto, I think they will. If they get to the finals this year, uh, Jason Tatum would officially cement himself as a superstar. Uh, and he definitely played like it this series, uh, you know, averaging 27 points and almost 10 rebounds a game. Uh, you know, he was just too much for the 76 defense. Uh, you know, he connected off 40% of his threes. Uh, you know, he, like I said, was active on rebounds, even offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, today he played for Kobe, who was his idol. Uh, so, you know, like I said on multiple occasions, you know how big of a fan of him I am. Uh, you know, and we wouldn't be surprised if in the next few years he's the best player in the league. Uh, and, you know, now on the Philadelphia 76ers side, uh, you know, they asked Joel and B after the game, you know, about his future in Philadelphia. And he was responded with whatever happens, happens. Uh, so you have to feel that some big changes about to go down in Philadelphia in this short offseason that we're about to have. But if that change does take place, I think Brett Brown is the guy that's going to be out of the building uh, for next season. Uh, you know, ultimately, I do think the front office uh, is the ones who should take the bulk of the responsibility uh, for the lack of, you know, especially postseason success this team has had. Because, you know, Ben Simmons kind of, you know, glossed over some things, you know, taped up some patches. But this team was clearly poorly constructed. Anytime you give two power forwards, or I guess technically Al Horford's a center, Anytime you sign two max guys that basically play the same position as your two best players already, like what what more did you expect? Like we like I said, it was already poorly constructed, but once he was injured, like this team just looked bad all series, uh, especially on the defensive end, because we know how elite of a defender Ben Simmons is. Uh, but yeah, this series is over um, from the jump pretty much. But the playoffs start for real now for Boston because I expect the Raptors will probably wrap up this series with the Nets today. Uh, but next round, I think that'll be definitely be a dog fight between those two teams. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm excited for the second round of playoffs. This one to really get steamy. Yes, sir. Second round, 
for me anyway, I feel like second round is when like the playoffs like really, really start. Especially for like these one eight, uh the two sevens and like even we see with this Boston Philadelphia series how some of the three sixes are outmatched. Which speaking of which I don't know what's going on with the Nuggets. Uh, but you know, they I I don't know what the deal is with them. They melted down the last two games. Uh, but <laughs> moving on to the other game that took place this afternoon, you had the Clippers taking on the Mavericks in Game Four. Luca, who had a bad left ankle and who many thought wasn't even gonna play today, went off, including the game-winning step-back three. Uh, so, Jimmy, what were your thoughts on that game? I was disgusted. I was disgusted <laughs> with what the Clippers put out there today, man. You know, you know they, they had a 10-point lead at the end of the first quarter. Uh, they got outscored in the second quarter, and they had a little lead, a little eight-point lead, if I'm not mistaken, going into the half. And, you know, pretty much from there, the clip, the, Maver- the Mavericks pretty much outplayed them from quarter two. They outscored them in every quarter starting in quarter two. Like, I, I, the Clippers, it's like, it's like they get a lead, and it's like they let their foot up off the gas. And, like, that's not something you expect from a Doc Rivers coach team. I don't know what it is. Uh, Paul George, Lord have mercy. Like, I, what's, bro, what's going on, dog? Like, are you, de- are you depressed or something? Like, you need somebody to pray for you because, bro, he been ter- – after game one, he's been terrible, dog. The last three games, Quinn, listen to this. The last three games, he's averaged 11 points, shot 21% from the field, and shot 16% from the three-point line, dog. He's shooting 29% from the field this entire series, bro. I, I like, I don't understand. And then, on top of that, you know, if you're not going to make jump shots, get to the paint. That's what I don't understand. He's steady shooting step back jump shots. Bro, get to the paint. They calling fouls. Y'all shot 32 free throws. Get to the cup. I don't understand, bro. He's six foot nine, 220 pounds. Probably got the best handle of anybody that's six foot eight and up. Bro, you got somebody like Maxi Kleber or Seth Curry guarding you on the wing. Bro, get to the cup. What are you doing? I'm like, bro, he been making me mad the entire series, dude. And oh my God! Don't get me started at the end of the game. The step, look, listen, Luca is a monster. Larry Bird reincarnated, bro. Reggie Jackson. I hope you hear this, bro. Do you read the scouting report? Do you check tendencies? <laughs> if I sat here and knew Luca was going to the step back, how did you not know? How? Come on, bro. If Luca gets to the cup in two seconds and hit a tough floater to win the game, then okay. But the step back three, bro, my grandma could have saw that coming, dog. And, like, you know, and you know, Doc, great coach, but I want to know why were they switching the entire game? You know, down the stretch, Kawhi was guarding Luca one-on-one, you know, mano a mano, and Luca wasn't really getting opportunities to put the ball in the basket. I think he may have made, like, one field goal on Kawhi like the last four minutes of the fourth quarter, and Kawhi had him pretty much the entire overtime. And then Lucas, I think the last two buckets Lucas scored were on switch-offs when Reggie Jackson was guarding him. I don't know why Doc repeatedly had them switching on screens, but it came back to the bottom at the end of the game. Like, I don't understand, bro. Kawhi was doing Kawhi things. 
He had 32 points, nine boards, four assists, two steals a block. Lou Will was looking like the, the scoring machine, the professional scorer that he is. He had 36 off the bench in 34 minutes. Uh, Trez, uh, you can tell that Trez has, doesn't have his wins yet. Uh, he hasn't been playing well at all. Um, Marcus Morris made some big shots late in the game. Uh, Zubak had 15 points. You know, uh, Landry Shamit played okay. Uh, I don't know how much you really expect from him, but it's just like Paul George. Like, where are you, bro? If Paul George, he don't even have to make half his shots. You make 35, 36% of his shots, and they up 3-0 right. They up 3-1 right now, 3-0 right. They might the series might even be over if he make 40% of his shots right now. But he hadn't been making them. I don't know what's going on. I ain't never seen Paul George play this poorly. And not only was he not making shots, he was getting cooked on the other end. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, I mean, I still – I expected the Clippers were going to win in six uh, anyway. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the Mavericks uh, historically have the most efficient offense. And they were – I think it's worth mentioning that they didn't have Kristaps Porzingis today who was out with knee soreness. So it's like it's like I don't know why the Clippers are playing so complacent, bro. This not the regular season now. This playoff time, dog. Like this win to go on. You can't get to the finals if you're struggling with Dallas. I mean, Dallas is a is a good team, bro. You know they they're well constructed. You know they built around their two super, their two stars. Uh, you know they got shooting everywhere. You know what I'm saying this is what you need with a guy like Luka Doncic. You know, Porzingis is a unicorn. Seth Curry's a sniper. Tim Hardaway Jr. can put the ball in the basket. You know. Trey Burke has showed up. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has played well. Uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist has gave him some valuable minutes off the bench, bro. So they have a talented team. But, like, listen, the Clippers should be killing them right now. Let's keep it – let's be honest, bro. Like, the Clippers should kill everybody in their conference except for the Lakers. With the exception of the Lakers, they should kill everybody, bro. You got the best two – you got the best two – you got two of the best two-way players in the game, bro. You got the two best bench players in the game. You should be killing everybody. I'm not. I just. I just don't understand, bro. And they. They're not defending three point line at all. At no point have they defended three point line. If you know the team is good at shooting threes, why not defend the three point line, bro? I don't understand, bro. All this jump shooting is getting on my nerves. It's. It's. This one of the things I hate about the new NBA. Guys get more skill, and then all they want to take is jump shots, bro. If your jump shot not falling, uh, the common rule of thumb is to get to the free throw line, dog. Porzingis is not there. Uh, Boban wasn't playing that much time, so for the majority of the game, they didn't have a shot block on the floor. Why was Paul George not attacking, dude? I don't understand. Like, he going to have to step up, like, big time, dog, because, you know, this putting a stain on his playoff legacy. You know, playoff P better get it together, dog. Like, I don't know who even gave him a nickname, but playoff P need to get it together because, you know, bro playing like crap right now. He gave his sister a nickname, playoff P. Uh, but dude, like I don't know. It's like the Clippers then forgot the playoffs and started. Uh, I mean, we've been here all season. You know, like you said, the Clippers should be this good. The Clippers, you know, should be doing this, should be doing that. Uh, but you know, like we've been said in that first game, you know, they flipped the switch on the end of that, the end of that game. But the thing is, it's like these last two games. They've been flipping the switch on, but then deciding to flip it right back off. Uh, Cause they were they were up by as many as twenty one points today, uh, and you know allowed the the Mavericks to come back and beat them in overtime. 
but, you know, before the game, all eyes, you know, you got to give credit. Luka Doncic, you know, many, that ankle injury looked pretty ugly. Uh, and, you know, like we said, a lot of us were surprised that he even played today. Uh, and then, you know, you have to add that with the fact they didn't have Chris Stapp Porzingis. Uh, and, you know, today was nothing short of, you know, gutsy for them, especially Luka finishing with 43-17 and 13. Uh, we we have to talk about, like, if this dude keeps playing like this, like, could he be the GOAT? Like, at this point, only thing that could guard him is injuries. And you saw an ankle sprain, couldn't even do that. <laughs> I saw that face. Uh, but I mean, like that—that that was crazy. I think that—that's one of the best playoff performances I've ever witnessed by like any individual player. Uh, you know, just just the courage that took and the guts that took to play, you know, on a bad ankle like that. Uh, like my said, like I said, you have to give hats off to him. Uh, and then you know, for the Mavericks, also, you know, how severe is Porzingis's injury? Uh, like you said, right knee soreness uh, back on December 31st against Oklahoma City. Uh, he was also scratched right before that opening tip due to the same uh, right knee soreness. And he ended up missing the Mavericks next nine games. Uh, so that that's definitely something to keep an eye on for the Mavericks. Because uh, this series, he was also playing well, you know, averaging 24 and 9. And, you know, also providing a defensive presence for uh, Dallas on the other end of the court. Uh, you know, in his absence, uh, Maxi Kleber, you know, he was solid, but he's no Chris Stapps. Uh, Chris Stapps is a unicorn. You know, he dropped 34. We saw that in that game specifically, uh, you know, just how important he is to this team. Uh, but, you know, also I got to give credit to the role players today. Uh, Trey Burke, who stepped in for Porzingis in the star lineup, uh, you know, he's always been a guy capable of getting buckets. You know, I think he won, like, NCAA Player of the Year when he was at Michigan, you know, the year they lost in the national championship game. Uh, but he was huge, dropping 25 points. Uh, Tim Hardaway, you know, he finished with 21. And, you know, 10 of those were during that big run they had in the third, in the third quarter to come back. Uh, Seth Curry, who you mentioned was a sniper, you know, he dropped 15 off the bench. You know, he was he was a big presence for them. Uh, and Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, you know, he played – helped play defense on PG and Paul George – or PG and Kawhi, PG and Paul George, same person. Uh, but, you know, he, he played big defensive minutes on those guys. And like you said, I don't know what the deal is with Paul George. You know, I, I've told you on multiple occasions that for Paul George to be like six foot nine, two hundred twenty pounds, why why is he not as good of a finisher as his you know measurables and his talent suggest? Uh, I don't know if it had to do with that that injury he suffered, you know, back in twenty fourteen when he broke his leg, uh, or what? But you know, for his ball handling ability, uh, you know. He has huge wingspan. Like, it should be easy for him to get free throws. Now, yesterday specifically, he only had two free throws, but shot three from 17 for the field. So that shows you right there he's pretty much taking, you know, three-pointers and mid-range jumpers. Uh, and I know even one, 
one play specifically, he literally called for the ball on Seth Curry in the post, was backing Seth Curry down, and instead of taking him out to the hole, he fa- he stepped back and faded and shot a jumper and missed. And I'm like, literally, that like that's the microcosm of how he's played in one play right there. Like he just hasn't. He's been taking the shot, but as far as mentality of getting to the hole, he just hasn't been aggressive enough. And, you know, that has to be a huge concern for the Clippers, especially with a guy like uh, Trez Harrell, who still isn't back in game full game conditioning yet. Uh, so, you know, like we said, they're the most efficient offense in history. If the Clippers don't flip their switch and they keep messing around, they just might go home first round. I th- I, like you mentioned flipping that switch. It's just like, you know, you got to flip the switch for the entire game, dog. Like – the Mavericks put up points. Like, you know, we talk – I talk about – you know, me, I love defense. I talk about defense all the time. You know, my thing is, bro, you know, you wouldn't have to score 130 points if you locked in. <laughs> you know, and I, I've seen Dallas shoot so many open threes during this series, and it's just – oh, my God, it's just sick to – makes me sick to my stomach. I hate open shots. When you got as talented – you know, you got great, talented individual defenders on their roster, bro. They shouldn't be having those kind of open shots, dog. It's not like it's not like they're running pin down screens and flares. No, guys are literally just getting open off a of pick and roll. Like, dude, like, what are y'all doing, dog? Like, y'all know what's coming, dog. Like, I, I'm just not understanding. But listen, like, I ain't gonna take nothing away from Luca. Luca a baller, man. I, like I said, he Larry Bird reincarnated. He one of the best this game got to offer. One of the most skilled guys in the league. And like you said, it's probably one of the best individual performances I've ever seen as well. Yeah, if if you still got questions about Luca after that game today, like at this point, you just a hater. Like, dude, Cole, like he he's a complete package. Like, no matter what you throw at him, he gonna play at his own pace, he gonna get his bucket. You know, his passing ability is second to none. Uh, he can rebound. Like, dude, he's just a complete package. And he's still only 20, 21 years old. So, like, we can we can only imagine how good he's going to be at his prime. Man. <laughs> but, Jimmy, <laughs> well, that makes – that's it for the playoff series, uh, you know, the NBA. Did you have anything else you wanted to add out to this episode? Uh, I do want to mention, uh, I'm pretty sure most sports fans, if you follow football, then you saw uh, the Baltimore Ravens decided to part ways with Earl Thomas uh, earlier this morning. Uh, it was con- conduct detrimental to the team. Uh, apparently, he punched a teammate yesterday, uh, other safety, you know, Chuck Clark, his running mate. Uh, I don't know what that was about. Apparently, he made a post about it on Instagram explaining the situation, but he quickly deleted it. So, you know, I'm sure – you know, more details about this situation will come out tomorrow or something like that. But, you know, the teams they mentioned that are in the running, of course, as always, the Dallas Cowboys, who not – they're not going to do nothing. You know, I'm pretty sure the 49ers – the 49ers are probably in contention. I think anybody would like to have Earl Thomas on the roster. Uh, he's not the, the guy he once was, but he's still a top-10 safety. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a top-10 safety on their roster? I don't want him. I mean, that's cool. I mean, if, if I'm Dallas, I mean, he better than Xavier Woods. 
And they better than ha-ha clean dicks. So, I mean, if you got the loot to get to them, give it to them. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the way he got cut, he probably not going to demand too much money. Yeah. At this point. That's true. But then, too, I don't know. I don't know how he going to get paid because I think he was on – he was supposed to get $10 million this year. Uh, but I think the Ravens are actually trying to get out of paying him that. But, uh, you know, it's crazy. I think this is the second time that he's gotten in a fight with the teammate. I think last year was like Brandon Williams or one of the defensive linemen he got in a fight with in practice. Uh, or maybe it was on the sideline of the game. But, uh, you know, I don't know what the deal is. Like late in his career, uh, you know, his ego has kind of become a big problem. You know, in Seattle, I do understand he wanted to get paid. Uh, but, you know, you remember the whole incident of him being carted off the field. You know, he gave the Seahawks whole sideline the bird. Uh, and then, you know, evidently now in Baltimore, like all his teammates just hated him. Uh, you know, these two fights have just kind of been the only time it's been, you know, made publicized. Uh, but like you said, he's still a great player. You know, he's not the league guy he once was. Uh, and, you know, even though we never expected him to be a great tackler, we saw this postseason that tackling isn't really his strong suit when he was Derrick Henry's lead blocker. Man, this uh, Derrick Henry, man. You know, don't nobody – going on. Don't nobody want to tackle Derrick Henry, dog. Come on now. But, but Earl has said before the game – that they weren't going to be scared to tackle him, and they were going mean, to be ready. I mean, just because you're ready. He kind of did that to himself. Just because you say you're ready don't mean it's going to work in your favor. This Derrick Henry we talking about. Come on, dog. But come on, Derrick Henry didn't do nobody nearly as dirty as he did Earl Thomas last year. Derrick Henry could probably stiff arm a gorilla if he needed to. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> But the fact he stiff almost spun them around and then made him his lead blocker. Come on, bro. Hey, that, you can do that's that. as disrespectful as it gets. You can do that when you're that strong, man. But look, y'all go ahead, take them in Dallas, let them tank that locker room. Y'all be seven and nine and call it a day. Tank the locker room. We got Jerry Jones to do that. That's small potatoes. Jerry Jones, executive of the year. That's small potatoes compared to what Jerry Jones do on a yearly basis. That's executive of the year. What you mean? Bro, don't make me hit in on this call. <laughs> <laughs> so what? He got – if you had to predict what team he got to, who would you say? You know what, bro? I have no clue. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Dallas is in probably in the league. I think he has mentioned he has wanted to play for the Cowboys a couple years ago. So, I mean, if it happens, it happens. If not, I'm not going to be disappointed. Yeah, because I think I've heard y'all, us, and the Texans. Yep. So, if he can go to the Texans and be Derrick Henry lead blocker twice a year, that'll be fun to watch. (laughs) But – like I said, I, I definitely don't want him in San Francisco. Uh, you know, our safety duo, the our safety duo, 
they've known each other since like high school. So their chemistry is ridiculous. You know, biggest thing with them has just been staying healthy. Uh, and they showed last year how good they can be when healthy. So we good. Y'all keep y'all keep that over there. We we trying to get the Super Bowl. <laughs> but yeah, did you have anything else, bro? Oh man, just want to add as as usual. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Yes, sir. And the rest of the killers who killed Breonna Taylor. Yes, absolutely. Well. That'll do it for us on this episode of the First and Foremost Podcast. Want to thank y'all for continuing to support us. Uh, continue to uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, we're on Spotify. Excuse me. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, don't be afraid to interact with us on social media. Uh, and like I said, once again, happy birthday, Kobe Bryant. Uh, I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. Jimmy Covington. <laughs> we out. Deuces. All right.